verses 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus has just told his disciples, well, he's told them on several occasions, but he just now told them that he was going away. That where he was going, they could not come right now, but they would come afterwards. And it's caused them to be, their hearts to be troubled. And he says this as it begins this first verse, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And the way you know, and, uh, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Thank you, Roy. Good morning, church. Keep your Bibles open there to John 14, and we'll meet there in just a few minutes. It was brought to my attention uh, of a prayer request. Uh, Craig Lee, um, this is the wife of Glenn Lee, who worked with this congregation uh, many years ago. Uh, Miss Craig has... Uh, uh, she passed away this week, and so we uh, want to remember that family in our prayers. That's the family of Craig Lee. So if you would add that to your prayer list uh, today, I know that they would appreciate that. In addition to all those that are uh, on our prayer list, I uh, want to encourage all of our men uh, to remember our men's night out that will be this Thursday uh, over at JR Steakhouse in Eastview. Uh, the bus will be leaving at 5.30 p.m., and so if you would like to go, you're asked to sign the list uh, in the foyer. And so uh, uh, the food will be great, but the fellowship will be uh, even greater. So I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that and sign up on that list so we'll know who all's going. I want to thank Roy and Michael and all those who have led in our service today. And I want to thank you for the great singing that you have done this morning. It's great that each and every one of us are here today. Especially if you're visiting, we thank you so much for coming our way. We want to encourage you to stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you better. And thank you for being in our presence today. And we thank God especially for being in our presence today. The 14th chapter of John has been known of the, as the chapter of comfort in all the New Testament. It has been read at many funerals and has brought comfort to the hearts of those that are troubled and broken. F.B. Myers of England, he describes a Bible that had been passed down from generations to generations. He said many of the pages in that Bible were just like the day that they were printed. They were clean. But not John chapter 14. For in that Bible that had been passed down from generation to generation, in John chapter 14, that page was stained with the tears of the brokenhearted who went to John chapter 14 to receive comfort from God. 
And at the end of chapter 13, as Roy mentioned to us a while ago, it sets the stage for what's happening in chapter 14. Actually, chapter 14 is a continuation of the conversation that Jesus is having with the eleven. Now you remember, Judas, he had already been identified as the betrayer. He has left the upper room, and so Jesus is left there with the other eleven apostles. And so he gives them the command that we looked at last week in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. To love one another. Not only to love one another, but to love one another as he had loved them. And as he was about to continue to show his love. And he informed them that this would be the way that people would know they were his followers. 35 says... People will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I want you to notice what he says at the end of the chapter. Uh, Peter says, well, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus gives him a response. And Jesus also talks about his betrayal. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 36 of chapter 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Three times. Peter's like, I'm ready to die for you, Lord. I want to go where you go. Don't worry, Peter. Now's not the time. But you will. And it's in the midst of that conversation that we find the first part of chapter 14. That we find Jesus giving these vital, important words to His disciples, to His apostles, who would also find themselves in need of comfort very soon. And he gives these words to his apostles and to us today. Are you troubled? Is your heart troubled today? You see, the apostles were about to be in that situation. And Jesus then, in chapter 14, gives them these vitally important words that they need. And he knows that. First of all, in verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I I know it's looking bad. I I know things are not looking and turning out like you wanted them to be. But in a sense, Jesus is saying to them, things are not as bad as you think they are. Things are not as bad as they appear, and things will not be as bad as in about 24 hours you will think by seeing that they appear. And so this morning, I want to ask you the question... Have you found yourself with a troubled heart recently? I don't mean physically. I mean things in your life are not like you would like for them to be. Is your heart troubled today? Or maybe it is you know of someone in your family or someone that you're connected with and they have some broken times in their life. They are dealing with a troubled heart. Well, this is where the apostles are about to be. 
And knowing that, Jesus gives them the words of comfort to deal with a broken heart, to deal with a troubled heart. He gives it to, to these apostles, and then we can take that as well today if our hearts are troubled. Judas. Now get this in our mind. Judas has already been identified as the betrayer. Though the apostles, the other apostles may not really understood it, but he leaves. And so Judas has left. And now Jesus has come along and says, hey, I'm going to be leaving. We've left all to follow you. Not only that, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Judas has left. Jesus is leaving. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But do not let your heart be troubled. You know, we, we, we hear that and we say, okay, look, this is coming. Don't let your heart be troubled. But it's interesting. I found out that the meaning behind that is not do not begin to be troubled, but rather stop being troubled or do not be troubled any longer. Stop being troubled. I know Judas has left. I know I've told you I'm leaving. Peter, I know I've told you you're going to deny me three times and that's going to happen. But stop being troubled. Why, Lord? If you really, really believe in God, you believe in God? Believe also in me. Put your faith and your trust in me. If you really believe in God, also put your faith and trust in me. You see, if we want to make it through troubled times, if we want to make it when our heart is troubled, Jesus would remind the apostles and then us, put your faith and trust in me. You see, the reality is our circumstances will change. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Our circumstances will likely change. Things going good today, well, tomorrow they may not be going well. Things not going well today, well, tomorrow they could be going better. Or not. The reality is the circumstances can and will change. And Jesus reminds the apostles that your circumstances, they're not like you want them right now, but guess what? In 24 hours they're going to change again. So when your heart's troubled, put your faith and trust in me. You see, the challenge for these disciples, and even for us, is on the surface looking, things may appear worse than what they really are. Things were about to be tough for the apostles. And Jesus trying to comfort them, listen, put your trust in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Put your trust in me because things are not always as bad as what they seem. You may feel alone, apostles. You may feel like you're being deserted. But put your faith and trust in me. Don't go by just what you see. Michael and those who look at Google, others who watch Fox and CNN and all these other news channels, when we look in front of us, things do not look good, do they? They don't look good. But Jesus would remind us today, just like He did those apostles, 
Don't look at what you think is going on. Put your faith and trust in Me. Don't believe in what you see going on in the world, someone says. God is not dead. God is ruling. God is at work in this world and God is accomplishing His will and His purposes. I've heard over the last couple of years, many of you say, I don't don't know what's happening in the world. Or I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know who is in control. And that's putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. And when we can do that, when our circumstances seem dire, we can make it through troubled times and broken hearts. Jesus reminded His apostles, do not go on being troubled. And remember, He says this to the apostles, I am making preparation. Did you see what Jesus said in verse 2? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He lets His disciples, apostles know, I'm going to prepare a place. He lets His apostles know, listen, heaven is real. In my Father's house are many, many mansions. And knowing that Jesus is making preparation for the apostles, there's reason for them to take comfort. Yes, don't go on being troubled. Yes, things may not look very well like they are right now. Things may look very difficult, but I want you to know I'm making preparation. I'm going to make preparation. The Father's house is real. You believe in God? I believe in me and believe what I'm saying. The Father's house is real. Now, sometimes when we read the King James Version and the New King James Version, and we think about mansions, oh, I want you to think in your mind about some mansion you've seen on this earth. You Google that and you can see a lot of nice mansions. Oh, you watch some of these television shows and they show these homes of, uh, of celebrities. You ride in some parts of the country and you can see these big, huge mansions. Well, you see, that's not the idea. We're not taking stuff from this world and putting it in heaven when the reality is it's going to be better. You see, the the meaning behind that word mansion is dwelling place. Hear it now. Jesus says to the apostles and to us, there's a dwelling place in the Father's house for you. You think you're alone, apostles? You think things are awful and the end is coming? Let me tell you. Here's why you need to be comforted. Don't Don't go on being troubled. Because I'm making preparations for you in the Father's house. And it's going to be far better. Someone has said, I don't want to live in my own house in heaven. I want to live in the Father's house. We have a place reserved for us in the Father's house. You see, Jesus had to go. He told him he was leaving, but he had to go. And it was to the advantage of the apostles and all of his followers. He had to go to be able to prepare that place. But what does he mean by that? What does he mean I have to go to prepare a place? Does he mean I have to go do laundry? I have to go clean the mansion? 
I, I have to go finish mowing the grass and building the mansion? That's not what he's saying. When Jesus tells his apostles, I'm going to prepare a place for you, what he's saying is, the cross and the resurrection, that's the preparation. That's the preparation for the dwelling place in the Father's house. And he says, i got to go. I have to go to make those preparations so that you can come and have a dwelling place in the Father's house. Where do you want your dwelling place to be? Oh, well, you might spout out your address. Or you might say, oh, I can remember when, um, when Greta and I first got married. We were living in Decatur, Alabama. And uh, where Donald Earl's daughter and son-in-law live now. Oh, for us, that was the subdivision. Oh, if we could just live in that subdivision, man, we would have made it. What is that for you? You see, the reality is there's no subdivision on the face of this earth that can compare to the dwelling place in the Father's house. And folks, that ought to bring us comfort no matter the circumstances. That should bring us comfort. And Jesus is trying to bring comfort and encouragement to the apostles. It's going to get worse. It's going to appear to get worse, but I want you to know, I want you to know, I'm going to prepare so you can have that dwelling place. Not only did Jesus say, I'm going to make preparations, but I'm coming back. Verse 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, here's the promise. He made it to the apostles. Judas is gone. I'm leaving. Peter's going to deny me. Everybody's going to scatter. You're going to think you're all alone. But here's what I want you to know. I'm going to make preparation. And not only that, the promise to the apostles, the same promise to you and I, I am coming back. Amen? Yes! The Lord is coming back. That where He is, we may be also. Someone has said, here is the conditional promise that we can put our faith in. If Jesus went to prepare a place, which He did by going to the cross, defeating death, rising from the dead, and ascending to the Father, then He will come again and bring His disciples to Himself to be with Him. Jesus is coming back to take His followers with Him to be with Him forever. Now folks, that's a promise that we can take to the bank. And that's a promise. When you're in the wilderness and the devil's coming at you and you feel like giving up, I want you to remember the promise. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Many dwelling places. Hello? And will come to get you. Now that's a promise that we can stand on in the midst of any circumstance because Jesus has been there 
And Jesus has made preparation. And Jesus has told us, He will come. I want you to think about heaven. I want you to think about that dwelling place. Because heaven is for real. John tried to describe it in the book of Revelation to the best of his ability and in a way that maybe we could halfway comprehend it and we still can't understand the awesomeness of the house of the Father. Someone described what it was not. Heaven is not about harps and wings and floating on clouds. Heaven is not about about being able uh, to play the perfect golf or watching football every day and not just on Sunday. Heaven is not uh, shopping every day and having a credit card that never comes due. Heaven is being where Jesus is. And that's what heaven is. And that's the promise that we stand on. And that's why when everything seems dark... Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that it won't be tough. He's not telling the apostles, hey, it's going to be easy. You just don't be troubled because I'm making preparation. It's going to be easy. You'll just breeze right through this. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying when it gets so difficult and you feel like giving up, I want you to know I've been there and I've made the preparation and there's a dwelling place. And I'm going to come back to get you. So I want you to put your faith and trust in me. You see, the reality is if someone struggles with Jesus now, if someone struggles with spending time with Jesus now, let us not think when the end comes that they're going to roll out the welcome mat, the red carpet, and say, come on in. Jesus is saying, I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be tough. I've been there. I've been there when they beat me. I've been there when they slapped me in the face. I've been, in, I've been there when they spit in my face. Because I want to make preparation. For those who will trust in me. Someone has said, this is where our faith stems from. We want to be with Jesus because He is better and more desirable than anything else in life. That's what the Hebrew writer tried to get those people to understand. Jesus is better. They wanted to go back to Moses. And he says, Jesus is better. And we wanna, when we want to give up in those difficult circumstances, we're reminded, Jesus made it. He made preparations. The Father's house is better. And in that famous verses, those famous verses in chapters 5 and 6, Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. Don't continue being troubled. I'm making preparations for you. i got to go so I can make preparation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life.
You see, Jesus is in heaven and I want to be there. Don't you want to be there? And Satan wants to pull us down. He wants to put so much stuff in our life to say, just give up. It's not worth it. But the reality is not everybody's going to heaven. Hello? I don't say that. In fact, to be honest with you, it's hard to say that. Because I want everybody to be in heaven. But Jesus said, listen, it's not just about calling me Lord. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He might have added in that, not everyone that sits in a church building... shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You see, Jesus said to those apostles, listen, you think you want an earthly kingdom? You think you want an earthly mansion? I want you to know it's going to get difficult and I, want you, I need you to put your trust in me. Because the Father's house... It's great. It's great. And I want you to be there. And Jesus says, I want you to be there so much that I'm making preparations for you. Why do we say that? Because all of us know there are people who don't believe in Jesus or really care about Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to make it to the Father's house, I am the way. In fact, I want you to notice some scriptures from the book of Acts. That in early Christianity, the way was one of the names for those of the Christian faith. Acts chapter 9 and verse 2. Speaking of Saul, and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, what's he going to do? He's going to take care of business, right? If you're in the way, he's going to take you out of the way. Well, no, he couldn't do that, could he? Because when we place our faith and our trust and we obey Jesus. What are they going to do? What's the worst thing that can happen? Our life ends on this earth. And what's the promise? In my Father's house are many dwelling places. You see? Acts chapter 19 and verse 9. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. Uh, people spoke evil of the way. They're talking about the way of Jesus. Uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse 23, the Bible says, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. Acts 24 and verse 14. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, 
which they call a sect. So I worship the God of my fathers. Acts 24 and verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way... So the challenge, the challenge of those in the hearing voice of Jesus and the challenge of those of us today is to get in the way. Why? Not so we can fill church buildings. That's not it. That's not it, although that's what we want, isn't it? It's far more than filling church buildings. You say, I didn't say it wasn't important to fill church buildings. It's far more than that. Because when we get in the way, we get in Jesus and many dwelling places in my Father's house beyond the circumstances of this world. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Acts chapter 8. This is a very familiar passage to us, but I want to point out a few things here as we see Philip dealing with the eunuch. As Philip is trying to tell him about the way. Okay, and I want you to notice a couple of things here about getting in the way. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man. The, the eunuch there was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture, he preached Jesus to him. It might could say he preached the way. Because is that not what Jesus said he was? Jesus is the way. He preached to him about Jesus, the way. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and he baptized him. And you see, if we're not careful, we'll just, we'll just look at that and we'll say, that's it. That's the way. Baptism. And that's true, but we can't forget the other part. You see, we can baptize a lot of folks, or we can get a lot of folks wet. But did you catch what Philip said? If you want to get in the way, you got to believe. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to the apostles? If you believe God, believe in me. Do you believe today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That He walked this earth? Showing people who God really is. That He established the church in which we are a part of today. And He took on that cross by way of preparation to be in that tomb and to rise from that grave to make preparation for you and I if we believe and we will obey. We have water. 
Do you believe? The eunuch himself asked, I believe what's keeping me from being a part of the way. The challenge for us is to get in the way and stay in the way. Robert Louis Stevens tells of a storm that caught a boat in a rocky area on a rocky coast and it threatened to drive this boat into this rocky area and threaten the boat and the passengers. And so he decides to go up on board despite being advised not to and he makes his way up to where the pilot of the boat is. And he looks in that window in the midst of this storm, risking his own life, and he sees the pilot at the wheel. Wavering, unwavering, holding that wheel, trying to take that vessel back out to sea. And the pilot smiled at the passenger. And the passenger makes his way back down in that vessel. And he announces to those there, I have seen the face of of the pilot he smiled all is well and you see when we look at John chapter 14 and when we look at Jesus we can declare we've seen the face of the pilot and when I trust in him and I follow him And I obey Him. All is well. As together we stand and sing.